Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me is not Nadia Oxford. She is currently at Otacon, so I'm flying solo, at least for the intro and the outro of this podcast. A little later, I am going to have two special guests from GamesBeat and GameSpot, respectively, who played Fire Emblem Three Houses. We are going to do a review roundtable. We are hitting every single aspect of Three Houses, and it will be heavily spoiler-filled because I do. Uh, I know that all of you have not really had a chance to play it yet, and I understand that maybe you don't want to delve too much into spoilers, but I... Here, here's what I would say. You should take this podcast, you should put it in your back pocket, and you should wait until you have finished the game, and then you should circle back and you should listen to this one because we really talk about pretty much everything in the game. And I've said in the past that I want to do a review roundtable, but I've never really gotten a chance to do it because usually what ends up happening is by the time I've finished the game... Uh, it feels like the topic has died down a little bit and it's harder to get people on the show to kind of discuss it. And I kind of wanted to strike while the iron was hot and while my memories of Fire Emblem Three Houses were still fresh. So that is going to be the entire segment for this week's episode. And if you don't want to be spoiled, well, you should go check out Uh, the episode from a couple weeks ago in which I give my overall impressions of the beginning of the game. That one is no spoilers, so you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, learning the fates of every single one of the characters and such like that, because we do talk about that uh, quite a bit. Okay, as for a little bit of housekeeping, Acts of the Blood God, you should subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever your podcasts are sold. If you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor please rate and review us. We always like seeing positive reviews of the podcast and good reviews also help surface a podcast on places like iTunes. Also, you should follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And you should read our newsletter, which goes out every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we have a new topic that Nadia writes out. And it is exclusive to that. You will not find it on the site. So if you subscribe to it, you get a little extra Acts of the Blood God in your in your mailbox each week. Okay, going to continue on. And we are going to be doing a review roundtable on Fire Emblem Three Houses. Don't go away. Okay, let's do our Fire Emblem Three Houses review roundtable. As I already mentioned, this is a spoiler-filled segment because the if you want to hear about Fire Emblem Three Houses without spoilers, I suggest that you go check out my hands-on impressions from a couple episodes ago. Joining me in this endeavor, a couple of reviewers who also got to play Fire Emblem Three Houses. Callie Plaguey from GameSpot. I'm the reviews editor. And Mike Minotti from GameSpeed. I'm also a reviews editor. So our Fire Emblem Three Houses reviews came out last night as of the recording of this episode. Or was it two days ago? I can't even keep track anymore. I think yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah. We got plenty of time with the game, uh, happily, like like a month to play it. Uh, I was actually pretty surprised. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. I I probably would have died if I didn't have that exact amount of time. I think Nintendo was like usually only good about that with Fire Emblem. I feel like Fates they gave us a good amount of time too. Maybe I'm misremembering, but it's like everything else is like, yeah, this game's coming out in five days. Here you go. But Fire Emblem, they know we need like a month. It's like a 35 hour game for me. How long did uh, your individual run throughs go? Closer to four. Uh, closer to forty, I think. Yeah. I I was very meticulous. I got, I racked up like 80 hours. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Were you mostly doing all of the paralogs and the battles and that kind of thing? Yeah, I did a lot of side stuff. I did a lot of, like, I was very careful about how I spent my time at the monastery. Um, And I think I did uh, Blue Lions. And compared to what I heard from other people at GameSpot who played, uh, like, pretty much everybody else picked Black Eagles except for me. And, uh, Sounds like that one was a little bit shorter at the end than Blue Lions 
went a couple months longer. Oh, interesting. Because I picked Black Eagles. I'm, I'm also Black Eagles. <laughs> we're, like, we're normies, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people are going with Golden Deer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that one, I don't know if I would recommend that for a, like a starting playthrough. I feel like Golden Deer come, it seems like a second or third playthrough to me. That's interesting because our guides writer um, here in Cryer did Golden Deer and he said that he really enjoyed it and felt like that was the quote unquote true route. However, based, based on the stats growth uh, of the three houses, based on what I'm seeing on forums and such, it seems like uh, Golden Deer might be the weakest of the houses and so might be a little harder than the other two. Oh. Oh, that really, that checks out. I mean, I said that just because I think, like, they, they're they a little less involved in, like, the main stuff. At least from the perspective of playing Blue Lions, it was like, everything's about, you know, Edelgard. And, like, Dimitri's like, I'm so obsessed with Edelgard. And so it was, like, very focused <laughs> on Black Eagles. And Golden Deer was just kind of, like, this afterthought. So I, I haven't started a Golden Deer playthrough, so I'm really curious I, to see how it goes. Even doing the Black Eagles, it kind of felt like, yeah, Dimitri and co. were kind of, like, I don't know. It, like, they always kind of felt like the third option to me for some reason. Uh, really? Yeah, they just kind of, know, like, like, like you said, it seems like they're not quite as involved involved at least immediately it's like everyone's talking about the empire and the kingdom and they're like we're an alliance and you know (laughs) we're cool too i was kind of joking that it's black eagles golden deer and other yeah yeah (laughs) i mean (laughs) oh the poor (laughs) i mean because claude he seems really cool he's got a rad bow uh there apparently the storyline touches a lot on uh, issues of like heritage and maybe even race, which I think is kind of interesting territory for a Fire Emblem game to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Dimitri is much more of your very much more a straightforward kind of Fire Emblem uh, tale. At least that was the impression that I got. Mm-hmm. I so having played it, like the Dedue is his like retainer character. You can't recruit him from any other house. Um, he became one of my favorite characters because his whole thing is about racism yeah um so there's a pretty big racism beat with the blue lions and then also just like not being able to come back from war which maybe is more of a basic story but like i picked it just because i liked the students i was kind of like dimitri's the most boring leader because he seems pretty basic but i actually really liked it i think it's a good starting house too because everybody's really strong it's like weapons focused straightforward as far as battle stuff goes but i did like I mean, like, it really leaned into race discrimination and then, like, you know, people not being able to forgive themselves for their sins and stuff like that. It was a lot. <laughs> That's That sounds nice because Black Eagle is a much more straightforward kind of tale of betrayal. And it, the beats get really weird in the second half. Um, right. Mike, did you join up with Edelgard or did you uh, go against her? I joined up with her, and man, that was that was a hard decision. Uh, and this is like the one right before chapter one ends, and it's it's very confusing. It's like because you don't have a lot of information. Edelgard just seemingly turns on you. Uh, you're you're fighting her, and like the game's making it very clear that there's something fishy about Rhea, so it's, you don't necessarily want to <laughs> side with her either. So it's like, all right, here you go. Uh, you don't really know what's going on. Do you want to kill Edelgard or not? I'm like, uh, not, I think. <laughs> but I, I, I'm curious how, because you know, I haven't gone back and picked the other option. I, 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 do you guys know how much that changes things? Like, is does that completely change chapter two? Uh, yeah, though the and the villain at the end is the same. Yeah. So okay. So I know we're talking spoilers, but I'm doing Black Eagles right now, and yeah. I don't want to know who the villain at the end. I won't is. tell. I won't say who the villain is. I will just say okay. that I was completely surprised when Edelgard turned on me because I had been building her up through the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I accidentally turned her into my dancer, which Whoa. was like, "Oops!" Oh. <laughs> uh, Dorothea seems like, like such oh. an obvious choice. She's like, oh, oh, she seems very regal, and she seems like a good dancer. I think she'd be good. Oh, no, that's how you award the dancing class. Crap. I'm an idiot. I had the same thing from the Blue Lions perspective, and I really did like all of the students. I think there's, like, 
fewer like the least amount of like hateable students in blue lions i picked annette because she's like i love choir and dancing but she has no sword skill and i was like god damn it like i really should have recruited dorothea she's so obvious dorothea is awesome but she is a killer black mage slash white mage where you at the top level class where her top level class um can allows her to use both black magic and white magic and she just kills it Oh, yeah, the grammary, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was so tempted just to send Bernadetta to the dancing thing just to see how that went. <laughs> but I felt like it would have been a disaster. So I'm like, no, I'll be safe and boring and just do Dorothea. <laughs> so this is what I'll say about uh, Black Eagles. I don't have any regrets picking them, especially because it did actually cut, catch me off guard. I did not have the option to join with Edelgard because I, I guess what you have to do is you have to go to her coronation and I didn't talk to her at the right time. So because I didn't go to the coronation, it didn't give me the option. Interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's just like one of those things where you just talk to her on that like specific month and it's like, Hey, I need you to come with me. And the game's like, this is an important decision. I'm like, Oh, I mean, I guess I'll go. I don't see any reason not to. And, yeah, it's kind of it's almost kind of weird. It's like it introduces her father all of a sudden, and uh, like the prime minister. And it's like I'm the emperor now, and he's like, "Yeah, you are." I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I guess my point is that Black Eagles is the new game plus run for me. Yeah, I'm doing it new game plus right now, and I I feel like I, I'm definitely going to do like two saves and try both runs. But I I do have a question. Like, what? Who do you lead? Like, who stays with you if you go against Edelgard? Oh, um, the Black Mage. Uh, what's his name? Horace or something? Hubert. Hogert? Hubert. 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 <laughs> oh, wow, the Hubert disrespect. <laughs> I Hubert's never like the reason Hubert. why I changed, why, why I picked that house. I was like, who's this weirdo who looks like the main villain? He's like one of the students. I want him. He's so creepy. I, they totally play into it. There's a point where if you're... Uh, if you are still, if you're kind of starting to catch Edelgard's eye, I guess, and building up supports, there will be a point where Hubert starts threatening you and basically saying, I will protect her. Don't even like get started with her. I'm like, geez, okay, Hubert. <laughs> yeah, I never particularly liked him. Okay. And then you stay, like, do you stay with the rest of the Black Eagles? Yes, then? the rest of the Black Eagles stay with you. Well, um, oh, see, at least you don't see the, like, you know, obviously in chapter two, you have to kind of kill a lot of like the, other characters and stuff that aren't in your house. And the hardest one for me was killing Sedith and Flane because I liked them a lot, especially Sedith because he was a jerk to you. Then after you save her sister, I mean, his sister, he's like, nice. I'm like, I like this guy. And then like three months later, I'm murdering him. And I felt bad. <laughs> jerk. I, so <laughs> I spent, I think the reason I have so many hours in this game, not the full reason, but part of the reason is because I spent so long on those battles trying not to kill anyone. And I managed to, the battle where you're fighting all three houses, like you do that in Blue Lions, uh, I managed to just kill Claude and I didn't have to kill an Edelgard. Or, well, she didn't die at that point, but I didn't have to kill like Bernadetta, who I super didn't want oh, to kill. Oh God, I couldn't do it. I quit, I quit the game. Oh no! I, I love her so much, but um, yeah. I, I did you do Sedith and Flane's uh par- or uh, battle? Yes, that was that was like one of the weirder things I did because I was like, so, so you guys aren't brother and sister? Yeah, they just kind of throw that one in there, <laughs> and then it like doesn't come up again. And I was like, what's going on? So is Blue Lions a more coherent story at the end? Because as Mike was kind of alluding to, Black Eagles is really all over the place in the second half. Um, yeah, I mean, like Blue Lions, you don't have a, you don't have like any game changing choices. It's just like we love the church. Time to fight Edelgard, and like, so I think it's more straightforward in that way. You don't have to like grapple with that. Um, and it's really like a lot of it is about Dimitri and like how depraved he's gotten because during the time skip, he spends most of his time killing people Uh-oh. and he gets like an eye patch and he looks yeah. like shit. Like he looks so bad. Um, like he really looks haggard. And the whole thing is about like, is he too far gone to come back and, and be not just a human, but like the King um, or the, yeah, the kingdom. Um, so it's 
pretty focused on that. It's pretty focused on his relationship to Edelgard and the fact that they're step siblings and had this childhood connection and that they're, they've grown so far apart and there's no coming back. And, you know, it, it, I think it keeps a pretty tight focus on that, but I, I wished that there was more about some of the mysteries at the beginning. Like I was, I spent the rest of the game being like, who was Yuritsa? Like, who was that? Like, I, I don't understand. I feel like that, that just kind of like falls by the wayside at the, mm-hmm. in the second half. But it also feels like something that you uncover through multiple playthroughs. Cause I know like blue lions got different details about Rhea and about like who the professor is than the black Eagles playthrough. Hmm. Yes. And I so. guess golden deer also has a different villain that ties in a lot more with the kind of the beginning of the game. So, Ooh. so this is, see, I've only done black Eagles. I haven't started new game plus or any other houses. So it's interesting to me just how different chapter two sounds for all of them. I, I almost thought maybe uh, like the flame member just turns out to be the head of whatever house you picked. And it kind of turns into a similar, we're going to go fight the mm. church thing. Now it seems like it's, mm-hmm. that's not what happens at all. No, not at all. It's still Edelgard. And it's wow. like, it really like the, the blue lions. Cause they're all kingdom kids. And like, if you recruit someone from another, I recruited Petra cause I thought she was really Petra cool. rules. Um, Petra rules. Yeah. yeah hardcore. Petra's the best. And I didn't do enough recruiting that playthrough. I should have recruited more, but, um, like they're just like yeah we got to stop this this is bad and like like it's basically like we're all here to kill Edelgard but Dimitri most of all and then he kind of comes around and is like actually maybe we should try to talk to her first <laughs> <laughs> but she she is not having any of that and and the the weird thing is like they talk about Rhea a lot but you don't see her again hmm. um and so that's what I was kind of like but I wanted to know more about her. She's so nefarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you go against Edelgard in the Black Eagles playthrough, uh, Dimitri and Claude meet their fate off screen. Like that entire thing goes completely unresolved. You just hear secondhand about a big battle that happens. So you're invited to join. I tried to join and they were like, uh, no, we just had a big fight. We're not ready to go. Uh, so good luck to you. And then I get news. It's like, yeah, Dimitri's dead and like Claude's missing or something. And you see <laughs> Dimitri very briefly in like a kind of a flashback or something or not a flashback, like a vision, I want to say. And then you never hear, hear about them again. Man, it sounds like you got the bad end or something. Like, <laughs> you got the worst possible second half. I did. Uh, I was talking to somebody who's played all three, actually, because um, they oh, how? That's they're impressive. in Japan. And I think oh, it's Japan. already out in Japan. Uh, so yeah. they played through all three and they said basically Golden Deer is the best um, and it's ahead of and then Dimitri and then joining it uh, and then fighting against Edelgard and then joining Edelgard. And but, the worst one is joining Edelgard. Really? Really? I see, I mean, I think, again, I have nothing to pair with, but I, I enjoyed it. I didn't even have really the same complaint with as you did about it being a little too over all over the place. I like, I agree a bit, but it didn't necessarily bother me. I think, but here's the thing. They said that, uh, it's, it's not like worst as in like bad. It's more that it's of the four that they went through. That was the one that they liked the least because ultimately they felt that joining Edelgard left them feeling kind of empty. Ultimately it was not a satisfying conclusion. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I got talking to, um, like, people at GameSpot who, like, everybody else chose <laughs> chose Black Eagles. And I was like, could one of you have chosen Golden Deer <laughs> so I could know what happened? But um, it sounded like it was kind of like, oh, okay. Whereas Blue Lions, like, I didn't feel super great fighting for the church because, like you said, Mike, it, it it definitely comes off like there's some some conspiracy and there's something going on with Rhea and the church but I feel like that was a much tighter like we we worked together and we achieved this goal sure. and and like it was a it was a satisfying ending from that perspective mm-hmm. like I, I feel like Dimitri really grew and there was this like definite character arc and all this stuff um, where it sounds like fighting with Edelgard gets a little more gray if that makes sense no for sure 
So I have a question for you guys. Which characters did you use the most? How did you promote them? Um, Because for me, I think my MVPs on my team were definitely Petra, who I turned into a Falcon Knight. And she is just a total boss. Um, Because if you use flyers, flyers can transverse the entire map. And a lot of the maps, at least in the Edelgard playthrough, have tons of like very narrow passages and winding walls and such. So being able to traverse them with flyers is really useful. And then mm-hmm. also Dorothea, because she could nuke, she could nuke enemies from across the map with meteor. Mm-hmm. It, it was awesome. I, so I I'm so, curious. I feel so stupid now. Cause I'd never made a single flyer <laughs> as I played through the game. I did. Oh man, you need a flyer. Uh, Make sure you get you a flyer. You need a flyer. Next yeah. playthrough. But, uh, not me. My, I, I did a lot more just kind of like big beefy characters. Like I made Edelgard like a super tank, uh, super heavy armor. And, uh, you know, a lot of the missions, you can kind of just put those high defense characters on the front lines and like have people come to them and die and then move them up a little bit more. So probably her doing that. And then uh, Bernadetta, eventually I got her like the full like horse bow person. So she can practically run anywhere and then shoot people four tiles away and just deal a ton of damage. And uh, then, gosh, the uh, the healer, the uh, guy who likes to study all the time, he like eventually psychic gets like Linhart. Yeah, Linhart. He gets it gets like fifteen or ten. It gets a ton of charges, and its range is ridiculous. And he can just basically heal everyone by himself from like anywhere on the map, which is insane. Yeah, I I had a similar thing with uh, Mercedes, who was uh, the Blue Lions healer. Like her physic can, it was like I didn't have to move her. Um, at the end, I, I also really liked Felix who comes off as such a dick at the beginning, but, um, he was my mortal savant. So reason and sword, and he could basically tear through anyone because he had magic for armored enemies and sword for everybody else. And so I just would like send him off on his own and he would just tear through the, the battlefield. And then I also, uh, my flyer was, or my Falcon Knight was Ingrid who, is I love her so much. She's so pure, and all she wants to do is be a knight. And her dad wants her to get married, and it's a whole thing. Yeah, I felt super bad killing her. Oh yeah, you should. She's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, not anymore. Now she's dead. <laughs> That's the other thing about Edelgard's playthrough, by the way. If you decide to go against her, it's almost entirely focused on conflict with the Black Eagles and the Empire. So you don't mm-hmm. have that opportunity to really feel the pain of going against the other houses and characters mm-hmm. that you like as much. And mm-hmm. so in that respect, I definitely think she should be the new game plus house. <laughs> yeah, it really sounds like it. I, I was kind of halfway through the blue lions playthrough. I was kind of thinking, Oh, was Edelgard supposed to be the starting? I mean, because like the flame emperor reveal is like, Oh, that probably would have hit harder if she had been, you know, my student. Oh, directly. it hits so hard for oh, me. Oh, yeah. In fact, I texted, yeah. I texted here in our, uh, our guides writer and I go, what the hell? My best girl totally betraying me. Oh my God. <laughs> I put so much investment into her. I had just promoted her to an advanced class. <laughs> I was, oh. this, I was so mad. And he was like, what? She totally betrays you in your playthrough too. I just assumed that it was going to shift around depending on, on which house you pick. I'm like, oh no. No, nope, yeah, she's the flame exactly emperor. I thought that man, that like that's blowing my mind right now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like I, I like that it's so set. I like that you have those parallels through every playthrough. So it's like okay, I know that. Um, I know Edelgard's the flame emperor. So playing uh, like I'm doing a Black Eagles new game plus, and I'm playing it and being like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like she's saying something creepy, and it's because she's the flame emperor. <laughs> it's, I like that consistency. Now, when you're doing a new game plus, are you doing just as much kind of attention to detail, like uh, like like manually doing the instructing and walking around and talking to every single person in the monastery? Or are you kind of like letting some of that stuff take care of itself a bit more since you've seen some of it and done some of it? Um, I'm being just as thorough. I'm just taking less time because I know what to expect. The new game plus stuff is actually really cool. It's a... Uh, you get to spend renown on stuff like increasing your professor level, oh. unlocking, unlocking. Like if you maxed out a, a class skill and you get those like little bonus abilities that you can equip, you can unlock those with renown, so you don't have to do it all over again. Um, 
That's why I think recruiting in your first playthrough is super important because if you recruit from multiple houses, you can kind of like set them up for a new game plus like, oh, I've already unlocked your your class mastery. Um, you can un unlock skills, which makes it so much easier to recruit because you can just be like, oh, I don't need to like go to Manuela and have her teach me flying. I can just buy flying huh. um, and go through that a little bit easier. So I'm spending more time like sharing meals with students and trying to get to know people that I didn't talk to a lot in my first playthrough. Um, you can also change outfits, which is really cool. <laughs> if you're me and you hate Dorothea's hat. Oh, um, about that hat. I missed it. I have terrible fashion sense, though. But the cool thing is you can uh, you can totally, like, during the war phase, you would be able to put her back in her school uniform uh. if you really wanted to. And I also really want that expansion pass because I want a better outfit for Byleth. I hate her little tight. <laughs> I hate the cape. I'm so excited to get that expansion pass. <laughs> yeah, that's my little spiel on New Game Plus. I would highly recommend it. It's uh, it's actually a really cool way to like streamline some of the the nitty gritty stuff, so you can like get to what you want to do. So, like aside from the students, like what was like your favorite uh, like of like the faculty or kind of the adult characters? Uh, I know I was really into Aloise. I just kind of liked his big, goofy, charming big guy thing. <laughs> Aww. I mean, for me, it was definitely Catherine. I mean, A, we share a name. And B, she was <laughs> a rad lady with short blonde hair. And she was wearing the armor. And she, she seemed to really be going for it at all times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I kind of was disappointed she wasn't one of the queer options. Which we could oh, my God. To. That would be amazing. She, I mean, she gives off a, a she's got this butch vibe. It, it makes a lot of sense. Whatever. It's fine. Um, I really liked Shamir, who also should have been gay. She was the um, one who is the, the archer, right? The yeah. mercenary, yeah. She was surprisingly weak. Yeah. Uh, I, I kept her as a mage and put her on horseback. And I kind of really? wonder if I shouldn't have picked a different class for her. I just made her one of my adjuncts usually because I'm like, eh, I already have Bernadetta and I had Dorothea actually with the. Uh, I figured some, the more range, the better. Stuff. It's just that she was really good to start and then she kind of fell off as time went on. Yeah, I kept her as a sniper the whole time and I had her like in case of emergency because I only had one archer, which was Ash. And he was also, he is a permanent thief class. So he can, he can unlock locks and chests and stuff. So I had him running off doing that stuff all the time. So I needed a second. Seemed archer. like putting him on horseback I, was the right call maybe because then you got a, a thief yeah. on horseback basically. Yeah, exactly. It was actually, <laughs> I would recruit him again because it was just such a useful class to have. Yeah, no kidding. I saw his special ability when I started playing as blue lines. I was like, Oh man, Ash, you're, <laughs> you're in. <laughs> oh yeah. He is so pure and good. And his, the reason he is a good thief is like really cute. So, uh, I, I'm glad you brought up the queer romances because we might as well talk about mm -hmm. that. Um, so I did have one of those options. I romanced Dorothea. And mm -hmm. at the end of the game, so the way that romance works in this game is basically at, you get your support level up to A. And then at the end mm -hmm. of the game, uh, you are given an option to choose from a handful of different characters and when you're making your big choice, whatever that means necessarily, and you can give them a ring and they will be all excited and such. And then nothing really happens. Yeah. Which is why I didn't, I didn't bring it up in my review at all. I mean, I, I brought up like the fact that romance is not a thing. And I, I kind of like that because you're, you're their teacher. And I was worried about that. Going I was super game. worried about it. I was <laughs> yeah. absolutely convinced that they were going to just be like, you should date one of your students. Oh, and I'm like, oh, you're having some time. <laughs> right. Cause they, they're always putting up to it. Cause they're like, Oh, you're the same age as them. Really? So, <laughs> and you're like, you're, I was like, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm concerned about this. A dance was coming up. And I'm like, am I yeah. going to like invite one of my students to the dance? What's happening? So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was relieved <laughs> that like, especially in chapter one, like, no, there's, there's, there's no real romance options. Yeah. Like I, I don't think it detracts from the game at all. I think it, there's a plenty going on and like you get connections with your students and the tea time has like a certain dating sim awkwardness to it that fills that void, I guess. I think the age thing really comes around when it's like, if you're going to make fan art, 
Um, or like, if you just wanted to think about like, is it, is it okay for me to like this character? They're 20. Woohoo. Um, which is, you know, its own, its own thing. There might've been a little, like much ado about nothing with the, the queer stuff. Like I, I do think from like a, a male Byleth perspective, you basically only have Linhart. Oh yeah. You have Linhart and then two kind of false ones, like, like head fakes. Oh wait, really? Yeah, because the other two, you can actually uh, basically give them the ring, but then you become best bros for life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> two bros chilling, which, which in is the hot best tub. kind of gay, isn't it? One of them, um, I think it's uh, I forget what his name is, but basically, you're all like super excited, and your best pals, and they're part of your uh, part of they're like the leader of your military or whatever. And then it and then it goes. And during uh, Byla's wedding, he was crying really loudly, and his happy tears were filling the church. And I was just like, "Okay." <laughs> and somebody was like really grousing about that on Twitter, and basically being like, "What the hell? This is like a complete insult uh, as far as uh, same-sex relationships go, because <laughs> it makes it seem like you're actually going into a relationship, but actually you're just pals." I mean, I know that when I give my friends a ring, they're like, yeah, obviously we're best friends now. And it's completely platonic. It's great. When I gave Dorothea the, the ring, she was all like super excited and happy. And then the, the final battle happened and such. And then if you get certain characters up to a support, much like in previous Fire Emblem games, there will be a, like a little special a little special epilogue. Uh, for example, Ferdinand and Bernadetta, for some reason, ended up being a supports on my team. So mm-hmm. that they ended up having a really cute final epilogue together. And then for me, it was like with Dorothea it was something to the effect of, oh, they were like totally together and they were totally supporting one another and they would give each other little gifts and it was all very cute. And it was Aww. just, yeah, it was just terrific. Yeah, it it, it is. I mean, especially with Fates and Awakening, putting such an emphasis on the romances and how that kind of like impacted the gameplay. It is kind of weird to go back to it being this kind of cute epilogue thing. I'm fine with it. I I guess I don't. Yeah, I don't really mind it. Well, especially when Fates did it in like this that really weird way. It was like, well, this was popular in Awakening, so we have to bring it back. But uh, you know, there's not time travel, so we're gonna have a special dimension that they're gonna send their babies to grow up. And they had that horrible petting mini game. Yes, uh. the, the tea time is a much better way of handling that. Whatever they were trying to go for with the petting <laughs> mini game, God. the tea time is way better. So, Agreed. One of the worst controversies uh, of the past few years was the people who were screaming about censorship because you couldn't pet uh, Camilla's boobs or whatever. Oh yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh no, because yeah. they were like yeah. Pokemon, right? Because in it was yeah, it's that it Pokemon like- and me thing or whatever. It had yeah, the same exact 100%. feature, except it gets a lot creepier when the when the characters have breasts. God. Yeah, I I mean I I really think like yeah I I think the if you're gonna have some semblance of romance, it's disappointing that that you don't do you don't have better queer options. I, I mean, like I always have to say like for Japan, it's nice that they included <laughs> it at all. Grading but, on a curve. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, like I, I do this with anime too, where I'm like, uh, I mean, I, I am not Japanese. I have to like, I have to like give it, you know, some sort of leeway, but I, I think it's like, it's really not a major part of the game at all. Like it's just, it's, it's like it's basically you pick from a menu. I picked the goddess because I was like, I don't know, I don't want to date Mercedes, so I picked the goddess, and it was like this: we are we are one of we are part of a whole, and we are together forever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> don't hurt me. <laughs> we are the Borg. <laughs> See, I think it's fine because uh, it, listeners of this podcast will know that I've expressed concern in the past about Fire Emblem trending toward this kind of skeevy, fan y type approach. And I was like, oh, so that's where we're going? We're, we're just going, we're, we're not even caring anymore. It's just all about who's dating who. And, it's just all about wife And petting minigames and all of that stuff. Because Fire Emblem Heroes is huge on it. Like any gotcha game, it's gonna, it has right. every every character has a swimsuit variant and that kind of thing. So it's just like, ugh, fine, whatever. So it's 
interesting to see three houses kind of revert back a little bit to the roots of the series, which is more kind of political intrigue and a war drama. And honestly, I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a bathhouse you can go to just to hopefully see characters. Right? In their they underwear. did have a it's spa. Nice. Like in the other one, yeah. you can build a spa, I think, in Fire Emblem Fates and just watch them sitting yes. in there very creepily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Did yeah. You, did you guys notice if you go like by the training grounds, there's like a staircase and you go up there and it's like, oh, the sauna, but you don't go inside. And I'm kind of like, is that part of the expansion pass? Oh, no. The, that, oh, they're saving all the fan service oh, for DLC. The DLC the, oh, that's, the bastards. Oh, that's evil genius but, if that's true. I mean, I'm going to buy that expansion pass because you get to the way better outfit for Byleth. And I just, I'm not crazy about the cape sleeves. I got to be don't honest. Like the, I'm, like, about, I'm about cape sleeves. I don't know. You don't like the, the pattern <laughs> tights with the... I do not. <laughs> with the kind of the, the, the boy shorts or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not about it. I The outfit's like a cute little school uniform. And then there's like a part of the DLC, like the expansion pass is like new outfits for who knows it's probably the different characters so i'm i'm guessing that sauna becomes something because it like when you go up there it it you know like when you enter a new area it'll in the bottom left it'll say like oh you know officers academy and it says sauna oh no i just never went there i just went up there to see if there were any like owl feathers or anything to pick up (laughs) (laughs) oh man people love those owl feathers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean wouldn't you i mean seriously uh <laughs> i guess i i'm assuming it's because they make good quills uh, oh there's so many okay. utilities you know you can uh, you can like put them on a chain and put around your neck you have a, an owl feather necklace you can make great. them into quills <laughs> like quill yeah, you, can, you, can, you, can, you get enough yeah. of them and you can become an owl <laughs> I, I guess that kind of brings me like what do you guys think uh, ultimately so i think people were full of praise for the school to start with do you think that mm-hmm. it kind of sticks the landing and is ultimately like really yeah i liked i was so nervous about the war phase because i was like i love this loop of instruction and like balancing you know my students motivation and all the stuff and i didn't want that to go away and i was really happy when they the war phase re- retains that because it makes some sense in that it's like, oh, we have to prep for battle, so we might as well teach each other stuff. And I, I thought it was kind of cute, too, that after the time skip, you can do those advanced drills and your students can teach you. It's like, oh, I spent so much time teaching you about horses, but I don't know anything and you're going to make me better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think in that sense, like, it actually carries through. Like, you see the, the gameplay benefit of investing in those students because they, in turn, can, can teach you about something. Um, and I also just think that, like, spending enough time at the monastery, like I really have a good sense of the layout now. At first I was so lost. I was like, wait, how do I get to the dining hall? And then um, yet by the end of the game, I, I had like a route that I would take and I knew exactly where I wanted to go and where people would hang out. And I, that layout, like, I think it kind of becomes ingrained in you because you spend so much time there. Yeah, they move around though. Yeah, that's true. But like, usually you can find like Felix in the training grounds. Bernadette in her room until she gets (laughs) slightly less meek after the five year skip. Yeah, I was into it. I like, uh, I mean, you know, I I like the whole persona thing of the kind of, I don't know what you call it, the calendar game. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I I thought, I'm glad it wasn't like day to day. I'm glad it was more of a week to week thing. But it was was fun to have that kind of home base to run around and have a chance to talk to every character get a little bit of their perspective, you know, it, it really, especially people who aren't in your class, it helped flesh out a lot of those personalities. Totally. Yeah. I thought that it was much stronger in the first half than in, in the second, which is something that I talked about in my review where mm-hmm. I thought that in the early going, when you're running around and you're recruiting characters and there are a lot more quests to do, I don't know about the other, I don't know about Blue Lions, but it felt like the, the quests and the paralogs really dried up unless I was missing something. And mm-hmm. I, it all started to feel a tiny bit rote. I was like, just something that I was trying to get through. It's like, okay, now I got to go to the tournament. Now I got to go fish. Now I got to go check on, in on the plants. Now I got to go uh, have the meal with my students so that I can bring back their motivation now i gotta cook something Mm -hmm. now i gotta go boost up some stats some skills by talking to some teachers okay thank god this is done all right moving on yeah i can see that i i did think like i kind of missed the lost items because that's what kept me like searching every corner as 
dumb as that sounds. Like I, that completely was dropped in the second half and there is less to do. I think it's, I, I kind of just found myself just being like, okay, I'm going to have six meals and then I'm going to bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is a little, it, it, I, it is definitely the part of the game where I would find myself stopping for the night more so like more than anything else. Like if I had battles ahead of me, I would probably play those, but it was like, Oh, it's the expiration day. I'll pick this up next time. Like I still enjoyed it and, but it, it is, especially later on in that chapter two, it does become to get a little bit formulaic. Well, it's because it's so strong to start. It's a thing. It doesn't yeah. open up much more after the initial bit. Like once you like learn about the choir, you don't really get a whole lot of new things to do there. Yeah, I, I think I that would have been tempered a bit if I had recruited more people. Like I, I didn't take into account like if I recruit and if I have double the number of students as I do activity points, I can go two whole weeks without exploring the monastery. Um, and if I had if I had done that in the beginning, because you obviously can't do that during the war phase, I think it would have uh, been paced a little bit better for me. So, like, in all of my guide content, I'm like, don't forget to recruit. Recruit people, please. It'll help. I swear. <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing, too, though, because when you're first starting, you don't really know who the cast is. And... Yeah, uh, I was actually having a little bit of a hard time telling faculty from students at times. So I was just like, uh, f- for example, I, I, God, I can't remember some of the faculty names. So there's Catherine, and then there was the dark-haired bow sniper. I forget what her name is. Shamir. Shamir. I thought Shamir was a student for a long time. So mm-hmm. really, so I was, so I was a. Uh, uh, so I was having a hard time being like discerning who I should be talking to and trying to pursue. And because they're always moving around and such, I would be like, Oh, what was the name of that blonde haired girl who seemed kind of cool? Ingrid. (laughs) Yeah. I want her. Okay. I need to build up these stats. All right. Like there's a lot to kind of keep track of. I I would say that if you want to recruit a character that basically just take note of them, and then just start giving them gifts so that you can raise up your support so that you can eventually get them on your team. Yeah, I did have trouble remembering people's names if they weren't in my class for a really long time. I'd be like, wait, who's Raphael again? <laughs> um, by the end of it, I think it was it helped that uh, people at work were playing, or like, you know, one other person at work who had the code was playing Black Eagle. So I was like, like telling me, oh, Bernadette is awesome. And then I'm like, okay, I'll take note of Bernadetta. But uh, yeah, I did. I was like, who the hell is Linhart? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird. I didn't do much recruiting, honestly. I didn't really have much desire to. I, I kind of like felt so attached to the class. I almost felt like if I brought in like these other students, I was like like watering it down a little bit. Like, I, I felt the exact same way. I was so afraid to recruit because I was like, the purity of my house, there's all friends. Yeah, it's like, these guys make sense together to me. I don't want to bring in the big guy who likes to eat. He, what does he have to <laughs> offer the Empire? <laughs> <laughs> I brought in Sylvain, and I thought I liked him as a pairing with Ferdinand just because they seemed built, made for one another. Oh, yeah, 100%. I really like Sylvain, actually. I know he's like this big horn dog, but... I liked his, like, if you increase your support with him, like, he talks about, like, his family expectations and how no one will truly love him because they just Aww. want his money and his power. And I was like, oh, baby, that's why you're, that's why you're sleeping around? I'm sorry. Uh, he has the same problem I have. <laughs> <laughs> I turned Sylvain into a knight, uh, the the heavy horse ri- horseback rider. Um, and I kind of regretted it because I... He had really high defense and was okay in that regard, but I didn't feel like he was meaty enough to really justify the investment, and I kind of wished that I had focused more on turning him into a wyvern lord. I actually think... That's what I did. I kind of overleveled Byleth by quite a bit, so she was able to take almost any hit, and so I could put her and Catherine up front uh, to absorb all of the shots, and then I -hmm. could have Dorothy... uh, and Bernadetta going in and sniping people, and then I could have uh, Petra and a green-haired guy flying around, uh, killing people on uh, Wyvern back and Falcon Knight back, and so I I had a pretty good system there. Yeah, I I had Sylvain as my Wyvern Lord, but he was also, like, he has 
you ha- he has a couple classes you could sort him into, and the other one was a uh, Dark Knight. And I am kind of curious how that class works because I didn't have one. Um, but it's like the the reason, but on horseback. <laughs> and so I'm I'm curious about that. He he's like one of the more customizable characters because he has a couple options. Do you guys want to talk about the combat a little bit and uh, maybe maybe my biggest complaint with the game, which would be the difficulty. What are you, too easy or too hard? A little too easy, I thought. On And I play normal permadeath. That's how I always play Fire Emblem. And, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just because I played enough of these games now where, like, Fire Emblem is a solved problem, you know? Like, I kind of know what to mm-hmm. do. But I, I, especially, at least for Black Eagle, it just felt like a lot of missions I could basically just throw in my beefy tank characters and you know, just turn on that grid so I can see where the purple spaces were, just put them on the first one and let people come to me and they'll probably die. It like the maps were generally open enough that it didn't require a whole lot of like creative thinking, I guess. Highly recommend hard. I'm playing new game plus on hard and it it requires so much more forethought. And I think like the, the strategy elements shine a lot more. On hard, so I'm doing hard classic right now. If I were like to recommend a good starting setup, I I might even say hard ca- casual um, to like take a little bit of the pressure off if you don't want a super difficult experience right out of the gate. But I think the I think the combat is is really really tight on hard. Did you find uh, Did you find the final boss uh, on your playthrough to be kind of a grind, uh, Callie? Because I know for me it. It wasn't a matter of if being able to, like, it wasn't a matter of whether or not I could take down the final boss. It was mostly a matter of when, but it just took kind of forever. The ads were really hard. I had a a hard time on my final battle, actually. Like, I I had to rewind a lot. I just straight up soft reset once or twice because I wasn't sending people into the right right fights. Um, And I also kind of want to redo it because there was like a whole thing and I killed some, like there was like all these mysterious soldiers and I killed them really quickly. And I think that kind of could have amounted to something if I kept them alive. So yeah, I, that battle was a challenge, but for me it was, it was more the, the ads than the actual boss. Like once I made it there, it was like, okay, I just need to like get my, my people sorted and in the right position. And then we can all gambit the hell out of this. Although I, I did play my first playthrough on normal, and so it was like I, I I totally agree that normal can be a bit easy. So my my own perspective, and I talked again, I talked about this in my review, was that removing the weapons triangle kind of changes the character of the game. I don't know if you guys played the previous games in the series, but uh, by having the weapons triangle, it put a lot more emphasis on positioning in the sense of if even a relatively strong character could get hit killed in one shot if they were going up against a character who is particularly strong against them. And by removing the weapons triangle, it puts a lot more emphasis on stats. And I think some people will dig that because uh, I, I know there are plenty of people who considered previous Fire Emblem games kind of cheap and considered it a turn off. But from my perspective, it also lowers the kind of the threshold for the actual tactics. Um, it makes it more of a strategy game. So it's weird because they, they had two big systems here that kind of try to solve the problem of having like that one bad turn or, you know, like this one weakness exploitation ruin a whole uh, battle. So you have to like restart it and lose 30 minutes. Because so you have the rewind feature and you have, you know, like three or so charges of that. And it, it lets you undo a mistake or an unlucky critical hit. And you'll probably have enough of those that, you know, you're not going to make that many mistakes, hopefully. And then you also have no weapons triangle. So you can like pretty safely put in your really beefy characters to the front line and you be confident that this character has high defense. Doesn't really matter like what the other enemies have. It's, it's probably going to survive. I feel like maybe one of those changes would have been good. I feel like introducing both of them is what contributes to things feeling a little too easy. Yeah, I like I said, like I I think that's to- like pretty different on hard. Mm-hmm. Like I really like I, I mean it is stat focused rather rather than weapon focused, right? So like I am getting decimated by mages on this playthrough. Like absolutely. Like if I'm not if I'm not careful about who I send and who has 
high resistance, like mages can definitely take out even my stronger characters. Like Edelgard is is not immune. Um, whereas in my first playthrough, I could send Dimitri out and literally just place him in an area where he'd be targeted and he would kill everyone, like you were saying. And in some sense, that's just satisfying in it, like a, I'm just going to watch this guy kill everybody kind of way. But um, I think on hard, it's like, I, I, and Divine Pulse, like I wrote this in my review, the D Divine Pulse actually highlighted that for me because I would have a really bad turn and then I would rewind and change like two things and then still have a bad turn. And then I would rewind again and finally figure out like, oh, I needed this person here because their resistance is what I need to protect people from the mages like it i don't know i, I couldn't recommend hard enough i really yeah, this is like getting into like now my whole weird thing about like playing games on hard mode especially like the first time i just like feel weird doing it even though i know i probably would actually have more fun in this instance yeah i mean i typically when i'm reviewing a game i like to play it right. on like the default difficulty just because i feel like okay i'm getting the experience that most people will get um but I'm really glad I started a hard playthrough before I finished the review because that, that informed my opinion a lot. Yeah, I, I think that is really good for people to know. And then because I completely agree that playing on casual normal is relatively easy. But I think they also wanted to put in a mode that pretty much anybody could kind of play through and be able to enjoy the story and be able to enjoy the, the politicking and the decision making and everything. And then... Right. I mean, they just introduced a lunatic mode, so that's even harder than... <laughs> so that. there will be plenty of people who are <laughs> super into the min-maxing. And I will say that, at, like any Fire Emblem game, there are a lot of hidden deaths going on with mm -hmm. this game. Uh, there's something called budding talents, where uh, you know those mm -hmm. little stars that appear next to, um, next to stats? Um, you yeah. can invest in those, and if you get them high enough, you can actually turn them into a strength and even unlock hidden abilities, which I think is kind of cool. And then uh, supports seem to affect stat growth again, so being able to pair up characters, uh, the right characters once again, and, and choosing the right classes uh, has a huge effect on their effectiveness in battle, so there's going to be a lot more min-maxing going on uh, per usual. Uh, and then I think the the gamuts really add something as well, especially in terms of the tactics. I was using the uh, the abilities that could freeze enemies in place so much to be able to block out certain oh, areas. Yeah. yeah, I had like a turn that was probably going to make me have to like you know do a divine pulse and reset until I realized I can use this one gambit to move the one character, like the one enemy, to like one different spot, and then everything was suddenly going to be okay. And, like, that was a really cool moment. That made me feel really, like, oh, I'm smart. Look at me. Yeah, I, I thought it's... I love that they're, like, really limited use, so you have to really, like... Uh, the one that Byleth gets with, like, Geralt's mercenaries is, like, it, it affects the three squares in front of you. So if you can funnel enemies into, like, a route and then hit all of them with it, it's... I felt so clever, even though it's, like... You know, not mm -hmm. super hard to figure out. Though I screwed up and didn't put enough uh, points into authority. So as a result, I wasn't able to use a lot of the, the best uh, kind of gambits, which wasn't so bad mm -hmm. because a lot of the time they had the same they had the same effects anyway. They were just kind of stronger. But it would have been nice to be able to have really strong gambits as opposed to very weak gambits that I was yeah, using. Yeah, it, it was interesting how there was kind of this fall off with the gambits because I wasn't putting points in authority just because it wasn't very flashy as opposed to like, I want to be stronger at swords. And typically there weren't very many classes that had an authority requirement that I can remember either. So like towards the end of the game, like my gambits were pretty oh, weak yeah. aside from just the effect that they had. I, I didn't like, I didn't take authority into account very much at all. And I thought that like for a while, I thought that flyers <laughs> couldn't have battalions, but it's just that none of my flyers had high enough authority to to hire the the flying battalions because you need to have like compatible classes. So like flyers can only have flying battalions, and I just like I just thought like oh flyers just can't have battalions. I guess that's just how it is. It's like oh I'm an idiot. I, I have a question. Were you used, still using combat arts at the end of the game? Because I really sometimes wasn't. like yeah like burn like like the snipers would have some that could just shoot from really far away. So so that could be uh, useful. Like 
it's weird because at first they're really helpful for like, oh, I can exchange some durability to do a bit more extra damage and then kill this person. And then towards the end, like you would lose the kind of, it seems like you would lose that speed uh, multiplier where you can attack a person twice if you use the, uh, the game or the uh, battle or combat arts or whatever. So it seems like it wasn't even helping you do much more damage anymore. Yeah, I, I'm using them a lot more on hard again. Like this was a, a big part of my review actually. It's just that like hard makes all of this, more apparent i i think that the main one i did in my first playthrough was the the bow combat arts just because it's like oh i can hit someone not from directly in front of them my first thought was do i am i doing something wrong do i just need to power them up because often uh my regular attacks would be far stronger than if i used combat arts right and for me i thought it was just because i wasn't getting like you know the speed thing again like you could do it two times i'm not sure what it was but it was another thing there was like a like at first they seemed really strong and then there was kind of a drop off in it as i got into chapter two okay so we gotta stop start wrapping up but i suppose this is the part where i ask for final thoughts callie final thoughts i i mean i really i had a hard time putting this game down seriously i I, ju- I started a new game plus right away. I want to know more. I'm now super excited to play the Golden Deer route. Um, and then recommendations would definitely be like play on hard, recruit people, um, have fun, enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. The journey is the friends are made. Along the <laughs> yeah, way. it's uh, I, I, I was I was the same way. Like I often would play this game until the battery was dead, which granted on the switch is two and a half hours. But, but still, I was, you know. It was doing a lot of that. And you know, even <laughs> my complaint about maybe being a little easy, it's not like I was ever mad or bored. I still kept playing. Uh, and if like the battles are a little simple, the progression itself is so fun and complex and all the teaching and all the different ways with the battalions and uh, teaching and all the other ways you can raise those stats. It's all very satisfying. Like I, I keep coming back to, and I'm not sure if I liked this more than Awakening, which was my favorite game but it's certainly close i had slightly mixed feelings when i finished up uh three houses because i was playing on black eagles and i thought that the ending was a little was pretty disjointed i didn't think the story was super satisfying uh and i i thought that it was a, a little a little boring a little straightforward even though i i did have very sad feelings about killing edelgard because <laughs> i was just like no i i built you up so much and you were supposed to be my best girl and this didn't, this wasn't supposed to happen. But so there was that, but it sounds like blue lions and golden deer have much better stories ultimately. And I think I really missed out on something in the kind of the emotions of not, of of being able to actually fight my classmates and everything. So there's that. And then the, just having this conversation reminded me of all of the things that I really did like about this game kind of the hidden deaths of the of the strategy of building up your characters uh the how well realized the school is the recruiting uh how fun characters like bernadetta really are and ultimately i think that it's the best fire emblem game to come out in quite some time i thought conquest was really good but it had a terrible story i thought awakening was really way too easy and maybe you have to go back to at least Blazing Sword uh, to find a Fire Emblem game that just feels this rich and this enjoyable. So I, they really had kind of a test going on. or It, it was really kind of a test for the series because they were moving to the Switch. They needed to be able to put something out that felt like it was a console game that justified that kind of high price. And I think that this is kind of a marvelous reinvention that also picks on a lot of the roots of the series, especially genealogy of the Holy War. And I think it they feels just like it definitely it. managed to like make a bit of that switch leap. Like it feels like, oh yeah, this is a step forward. I mean, I've played Fire Emblem games before, but this this just grabbed me in a, a different way, and I really enjoyed. I really really enjoyed that the you know the shift and the the changes they made and i i think that was a, a risk that really paid off for sure yeah it feels like the natural endpoint of the process that started with awakening in which they were trying to open up the series a lot and try to make it more accessible for everybody uh but i'm really glad that they did away with a lot of the kind of the worst excesses of fates 
and that they managed to balance out the kind of the strategy in such a way that it still feels relatively satisfying for the super hardcore players while being maybe the best thing is the the cast is so good there's a lot of likable characters here and uh, it, it seems like mm-hmm. a weird thing to say because there's so many games, with, mm-hmm. you know, full voice acting. But it's it's not it's like every single line is voice acted, which is kind of crazy for a Nintendo game still. So Fire Emblem Three Houses, strongly recommended. I think that there is a huge chance that this ends up being the best Switch game to come out in 2019. Uh, it would borderline be my game of the year i need to see how i feel after i play go through golden deer and blue lions i think it's a total mark in the favor of three houses that i actually want to play through those houses rather than i I thought i didn't until talking talking to you two right now at first i was like well i don't know if i need to go back to the other houses i don't know how different it's gonna be i'm like oh it's so different i kind of want to see what happens now yeah, that's, it's so funny you say that, because that's actually how I ended my review. Was it's just a credit to everything that Three Houses does so well that I, I want to see every ending possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's Agreed. definitely a game of the year contender for me, 100%. Yeah. In my review, I was just like, yeah, I had mixed feelings about how the Black Eagle storyline ended. But then the next thing I knew, I was starting a new game with, uh, with Dimitri, because I just had to know what had happened. It wasn't because I felt... <laughs> obligated though i also wanted to be fairly thorough with my review but i just wanted to keep going i had this weird obsession with finding it with with games with multiple endings like even fighting games like mortal Kombat. what the canon ending is i wonder if we're gonna find out someday there might not be i don't think there is a canon ending is the thing unless it comes out in dlc which i kind of don't want to i i want it to continue to have like the multiple perspectives the multiple possibilities and you can kind of choose which one you like the best is there do you know if there's any benefit like any bonus to finishing all the endings that's what we're all kind of wondering i'm sure that data miners will tell us soon enough (laughs) (laughs) Uh, talking to the, the a person who has i think actually finished all of the endings it definitely does not seem to be a true route i don't know if there's going to be uh any kind of benefit or whatever but we got that expansion pass with the cool outfit, so I'm Let's happy. Let's do it. Okay, thanks to Kelly and Mike for coming on the show to talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses. I really enjoyed having this roundtable. Uh, so this is the part where I ask you guys to promote whatever the heck you're doing, where to follow you on social media. Kelly. Um, I, like I said, I'm the reviews editor, so lots of reviews go through me at GameSpot, but um, we're also starting a podcast that I'm going to be on, so keep an eye out for our podcast coming very soon. Um, You can follow me on Twitter, and I'm so sorry that this is my Twitter handle. It's Inky Dojiko, (laughs) I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. And uh, yeah, I'm always writing at GamesBeat, I'm reviews that are there, but doing all sorts of stuff. I'm also on the GamesBeat Decide podcast there with my coworker Jeff Grubb. I have my uh, other gaming podcast that I've been doing since, what, 2007 now. That's Exploding Barrel. And uh, also uh, doing uh, my new Disney podcast, 90s Disney. We're going to be doing our third episode soon about Tower of Terror. So check out that. I'm very excited about 90s Disney. It's fun stuff. Wow, you're super busy, Mike. Well, I'm, you know, (laughs) know. perpetually single helps. Oh, wow. No, it's good. I love it. (laughs) And on that note... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right thanks to callie and mike for coming on the show to talk about fire emblem three houses that was a really fun discussion uh it was a free-flowing conversation which is something that is a little hard to pull off uh, on a when recording remotely but i, I think it came off well callie and mike are established pros if that round table did anything for me it really made me like fire emblem three houses even more and i feel like my score of 4.5 ultimately was the right one so if you have not read the review yet yeah i strongly encourage you to go check that out i'm also going to continue to cover fire emblem over the next couple weeks over on the site there's a lot to talk about especially now that everybody actually gets to play this game and it's not just a a bunch of journalists hanging out and talking about uh, which, which which characters they chose and what happened in their individual playthroughs and so on and so forth. Uh, I think, but on the podcast, man, we really canvassed Fire Emblem Three Houses pretty thoroughly. So it's about time that we get back to some of our other segments, including the console RPG quest. It's about time to talk about the Sega Genesis, I would say. 
and also my Final Fantasy VII playthrough, though I am also quite busy with Madden, which, spoiler alert, it's secretly an RPG. Okay. Acts of the Blog God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Review and rate us. Subscribe to our newsletter. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot and Nadia at, at Nadia Oxford. We'll be back next Monday, as always, to talk more about role-playing games, the genre that we love. But until then, for everybody who's been on the show today, thanks for listening and happy adventuring. <laughs>